Evidence and Answers. In 1948, an intriguing discovery was made in Nag Hammadi, Egypt. A library of Gnostic manuscripts were discovered, alleged to be part of the lost gospels of the apostle Peter, Thomas, Mary, and other disciples of Jesus. Some allege that these are the secret gospels that reveal the true story of Jesus. Are these the lost gospels? Do they prove that Christianity rose from pagan sources? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is a popular author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat answers the challenge posed by many skeptics that Christianity originated from the pagan mystery religions. Let's join Pat now as he explains the mystery of the lost gospels of Jesus and Christianity's alleged pagan connection. Or another version is that Zeus in the form of a thunderbolt struck and impregnated Olympias. Well, once again, these stories hardly parallel the biblical account, and it's unreasonable to think that the biblical writers would want to copy from these particular stories. Now, here's a myth of Osiris, and Osiris is alleged to have a resurrection account, which parallels the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, let's take a look at the myth of Osiris. Osiris is believed to be one of the gods of Egypt. And according to the myth, he left the land of Egypt and left his sister Isis to rule the land when he decided to spread his rule around the world. He returned only after civilizing the entire earth, and he found that Isis had ruled wisely and his kingdom was still in perfect order. However, it was at this point that his brother, the wicked Set, began plotting against him. And there are many stories of how Osiris was killed. Now, the most common is that his brother Set held an extravagant banquet and invited Osiris. After the festivities were over, Set produced a magnificent golden coffin and offered it as a gift to whomever fit it best. Well, of course, it had been built for Osiris's form. And when Osiris got in it, his brother shut the lid and sealed it and threw it into the Nile River. And then Set took Osiris's place as the king while the grieving Isis searched for Osiris's remains. She found the body in a faraway place called Byblos, brought it back to Egypt, and hid it in the marsh. However, the wicked Set found it and unfortunately tore the body in pieces, throwing them again into the river. Isis collected all the pieces. I believe he was torn into 13 pieces. She collected 12 of them. The final piece had been eaten by the fish, unfortunately. And she bandaged the body together again. And allegedly, this was the first mummy. This mummy then transformed into an ox. And this form of Osiris traveled to the underworld where he became king over and judge of the dead. Well, once again, you can see the strong parallels between the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Osiris. The alleged, quote, resurrection of Osiris is not a resurrection, but more like a a zombie-like kind of resurrection, a zombie-like existence of the underworld, unlike the physical and glorified resurrection of Christ triumphing 
over sin and death. Now, the final myth we're going to look at is the myth of Addis. And supposedly, there is a resurrection account in Addis that parallels that of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at that myth. Now, the myth goes like this. Sybil, also known as the mother goddess, fell in love with a handsome shepherd in Asia Minor named Addis. However, Addis was unfaithful to Sybil, and she caused him to go mad, and he castrated himself under a pine tree and died. Grief-stricken, Sybil's sorrow caused the earth to die. However, Sybil preserves the body of Addis from decay, and the only signs that he is alive is that his hair continues to grow and there is slight movement in his little finger. Now, in honor of Addis and to ensure a good crop, farmers back in ancient Greek times performed a ritual commemorating his death every spring. I'm sure you see the strong parallel between the resurrection of Addis and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, the death and resurrection of Addis differs significantly from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you take a look at these myths, the alleged parallels are not very close to the historical accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, there are very few close parallels between these pagan myths and the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, as we conclude, let me summarize the points here. First, there are very few parallels when the pagan myths are studied individually and compared with the life of Christ. Second, the terms used may be the same, but they have very different meanings here. Resurrection, virgin birth, and these pagan myths differ significantly from the resurrection, the virgin birth, and the events of the life of Jesus Christ. And finally, the date of any resurrection accounts follow Christianity, and these myths occur in a mythical realm, not in a historical realm like that of Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospels. Now, along with the allegation that Christianity borrowed its ideas from the Greek mystery religions is also the secret Gospels. You've heard of the secret Gospels, such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Mary, the Acts of Peter. Supposedly, there are secret Gospels that were discovered in Egypt that predate the New Testament Gospels that tell us the real story of Jesus Christ. Well, what about these secret Gospels? Is there a pagan connection here with these secret Gospels? Well, let's take a look at this theory and see what this theory of the secret Gospels is all about. Well, the missing Gospels or the secret Gospels that are often referred to are known as the Nag Hammadi texts, discovered in 1946 after the place they were found on the west bank of the Nile. Now, their discovery is an interesting story here. The man who discovered these ancient texts, his name is... Muhammad Ali. That's right. You thought all he did was box, right? Well, according to this story, now Muhammad was digging along the west bank of the Nile, hoping to find fertilizer, when he and his friends came across some jars. 
Now, his friends were afraid to open the jars, thinking a genie may pop out of it. However, he opened it up and discovered some ancient scrolls. Not knowing their value, he went home and burned some of the scrolls to boil a pot of stew. Very costly pot of stew there. However, eventually these scrolls got into the hands of an antique dealer and he discovered their value. And when he went back to the site, a great discovery was found. A library was found containing 45 texts written in the Coptic language. These documents were written some as early as the 2nd century and others about the 4th century AD. These ancient manuscripts were written in the early 2nd century to the 4th century AD. Now, of the 45 texts that were found, only about a half dozen claimed to be Gospels. And examples of these are the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, the Acts of Peter, and a few others. These documents were not authored by a Christian group, but a group called the Gnostics. And our knowledge of the Gnostics came only from the Church Fathers' criticisms of the Gnostic texts. And the Church Fathers had been warning the Christians about the Gnostics and these false gospels that had begun to arise there as Christianity became popular and spread throughout the Roman Empire. Now, the only thing we knew about the Gnostics were the things the early Church Fathers had warned the church about, but now we had the text and we could read the text for themselves. Now, first of all, who are the Gnostics? Well, Gnosticism derives its meaning from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. The Gnostics were a heretical group whose teachings were a combination of Greek philosophy and Eastern pantheism. Gnosticism taught the secret knowledge of dualism, that the material world was evil and it's the spiritual realm that was pure. This goes in direct contradiction to the Old Testament account of creation, Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. When God created all things, he declared that it was good and that one day after the fall of man, one day creation would be redeemed. It's a rejection of the New Testament teaching that Jesus became flesh and that the body is good and one day shall be restored. See, it's abhorrent in Gnosticism to think Jesus, the master Gnostic, would take on a corrupted body of flesh and bone. In Gnosticism, God is not distinct from man. Man is essentially divine. And the fundamental problem is not sin, but it's ignorance. And salvation is attained through gaining this secret gnosis or knowledge. And the goal of Gnosticism was unity with God. In reference to Jesus, Jesus was not distinct from the disciples. Those who attained Gnostic insight became a, quote, Christ. In Gnostic writing, it says, whoever achieves Gnosis becomes no longer a Christian, but Christ. Since the physical realm is evil, they taught Jesus was not really human, that he did not really die upon the cross. You see, that's abhorrent in Gnosticism to think the master Gnostic Jesus would take on a body of flesh and bones, something that is impure. They further taught that Jesus shared secret knowledge with a select few and that only those with keen insight into these secrets could truly release the divine in them as Jesus had done. And in the, quote, secret gospel of Judas, 
Judas was the only one worthy to receive this, quote, secret knowledge. In Gnosticism, Jesus is not the unique Son of God and Savior, but a teacher who revealed secret knowledge to those he felt worthy to be his followers. So Gnostic philosophy is clearly contrary to biblical teaching in almost all major areas. Now, in recent times, it has been alleged that these, quote, secret gospels were kept out of the New Testament canon. For example, that famous novel, The Da Vinci Code, taught that it is the Emperor Constantine that secretly suppressed these gospels and kept them from being a part of the New Testament. Well, these are not secret gospels as the Da Vinci Code and others portray them to be. We have known about these for centuries. The church fathers Irenaeus, writing in the 2nd century AD, and Tertullian, writing in the 2nd century AD, mentioned them in their letters and stated the rejection of these texts. These texts are written well after the life of the apostles. They could not have been apostolic, and their teachings clearly contradict biblical teachings. They were never considered part of the inspired writings of the apostles for many apparent reasons. First, the late dating. Most appear in the late 2nd and 4th century when Gnosticism became popular. You see, Gnosticism is like a parasite. They find a religion that is popular and then try to refashion it in a Gnostic form. These alleged missing Gospels are inconsistent with previous revelation. They're inconsistent with Old and New Testament teaching. The teaching of Gnostic dualism is what the Gospels of John and the Epistles appear to be reacting against. John, writing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, appears to be warning about the Gnostics who he sees already coming over the horizon. The ancient church fathers who followed the apostles knew of these texts, never regarded them as equal to the Gospels, and the early church never considered them as part of the New Testament canon. The secret teachings for a select few goes against the very nature of the gospel. Christ taught his followers to go and preach the teachings of Christ throughout the entire world and make disciples of all men and women in an honest and open manner. See, the Gnostics rejected biblical Christianity and the Christians rejected the Gnostics. The two teachings were not compatible in any way. Contrary to his appearance to Thomas, Jesus proved he was indeed. Now, if you read the Gnostic texts for themselves, these alleged secret gospels, you will see that their teachings contradict biblical Christianity and that they're a very different flavor from the New Testament-inspired writings of the apostles. They're very, very different, and the teachings are contradictory in very significant ways. Let's take a look at some excerpts from these alleged secret Gospels. In the Gnostic Gospel of Philip, a 3rd century writing, here's an excerpt from it. It says, Light and darkness, life and death, right and left are brothers of one another. They are inseparable. Because of this... Neither are the good good, nor evil evil, nor is life life, nor death death. For this reason, each one will dissolve into 
its earliest origin, but those who are exalted above the world are indissoluble, eternal. This whole teaching that life and death, right and left, they're brothers, they're indissoluble, they're inseparable. You know, that seems to parallel more Eastern pantheism than biblical teaching where Jesus taught, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John talks about how the light overcame the darkness and the darkness is unable to overcome or conquer the light. Jesus talked about, I am the resurrection and the life and that he has conquered sin and death seem contrary to what the gospel of Philip here is teaching. Here's another excerpt from the gospel of Philip. This is quite in keeping with the truth, but you saw something of that place and you became those things. You saw the spirit and you became spirit. You saw Christ and you became Christ. You saw the father and you shall become father. So in this place, you see everything and do not see yourself. But in that place, you do see yourself and what you see, you shall become. The fact that we can become one with Christ and that we are also of the same essence as of Christ and the Father and we can become one with them is more Eastern pantheism. The Bible teaches that God created all things. He is separate from all of us. He stands far above us in his perfections of holiness and truth and light and that we are not going to become one with him. We'll dwell in his presence, but we'll never become a part of him or one with him. That's more Eastern pantheism. Here's the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, a third century writing. It says this, Peter said to him, to Jesus, Since you have explained everything to us, tell us also what is the sin of the world. The Savior said, There is no sin. But it is you who make sin when you do the things that are like the nature of adultery, which is called sin. How interesting that according to this gospel, when Peter asked, what is sin? Jesus said, there is no sin. Sin is just something of the mind. Well, that's Gnostic teaching. That's more like Eastern pantheism. What did Christ die for? Well, according to the New Testament, he died for the sins of the world. That was his entire mission and coming. What led to death and creation? Well, it's what happened in Genesis 3. So it seems contrary that in this Gospel of Mary Magdalene, when Peter asked Jesus, what is the sin of the world? The Savior said, there is no sin. That seems to contradict major teaching of the Bible. The Gospel of Peter, another third century writing, states this. And this is speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the third day of his resurrection the tomb opened and both of the young men entered in when therefore those soldiers saw that they waked up the centurion and the elders for they were also keeping watch and while they were yet telling them the things which they had seen they saw again three men come out of the sepulcher and two of them sustaining the other and a cross following after them and the two they saw that their heads reached up into the heavens but of him who was led by them, that it overpassed the heavens. And they heard a voice out of the heavens saying, Hast thou preached unto them that sleep? And an answer was heard from the cross saying, Yea. So according to the gospel of Peter, we have a walking, talking cross here that came out of the tomb. 
following Jesus and the two angels. And in this particular resurrection account, the necks of the two angels stretched out into the heavens, and the neck of Jesus stretched far surpassed them. And a voice came out of heaven, and it's the cross that gives an answer. Well, this is most likely mythology, and hardly can it be considered historical. Well, here's the famous Gospel of Thomas, one of the most quoted alleged secret Gospels. And this is a late 2nd century writing, about 170 A.D. that this was written. Now, in verse 114, it says here that Simon was having a discussion with the disciples and Jesus. And Simon Peter said to them, Make Mary leave us, for females don't deserve life. But Jesus said, Look, I will guide her to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every female who makes herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this does not reflect biblical teaching at all. Genesis 1 and 2 says that male and female are together make up the image of God. Peter talks about husbands living with your wives and understandings as co-heirs to eternal life. Jesus and the apostles exalted the status of women. They honored women here. But in Gnosticism, women are of the lowest class. Why? Because remember in Gnosticism, it's the spiritual realm that's pure. It's the physical world that is evil. And women are the ones who give birth to these physical beings. So they're at the bottom of the bottom, below the totem pole. That's why Peter wanted Mary to leave. And Jesus said, well, I'll make her into a man. So every female who makes himself a man can enter the kingdom of heaven. That's completely contrary to what the Bible teaches. Here is the other one, which made a lot of headlines a few years ago. The Gospel of Judas. Once again, a late 2nd century writing, written about 180 AD. There's no way Judas could have wrote this. Remember, Judas died even before Jesus. So there's no way he could have written this. But once again, it says here, He, Jesus, began to speak to them, the disciples, about the mysteries beyond the world and what would take place at the end. Often he did not appear to his disciples as himself, but he was found amongst them as a little child. And here in the Gospel of Judas, it tells that Jesus revealed the secret knowledge only to Judas who was worthy, and that Judas would be considered a criminal to the world. But to those who know, Judas is the great hero because he helped Christ he helped Christ escape from the physical body and enter the spiritual realm and unite with the one. Well, when you read these Gospels for themselves, these alleged secret Gospels, you can see that they're not consistent with Old or New Testament teachings. And their teachings are contrary to what the Bible teaches. These are Gnostic in flavor and teach Gnostic philosophy, not biblical teachings. So as we conclude here, is there a pagan connection between Christianity and these secret Gospels? Well, apparently not. The secret Gospels are not so secret. We've known about them for centuries. They were never considered part of the New Testament canon. There wasn't even a debate about that. The Gnostic teachings make them inconsistent and contrary to previous teachings of divine revelation of the Old and New Testament. The apostles in their writing, especially John, rejects Gnostic teaching. The church fathers knew 
of these writings and never consider them to be apostolic. They're written way too late, well after the lifetime of the apostles. And remember, Scripture, especially the New Testament, must have some kind of apostolic connection, a connection with the apostles. So they've got to be written within the first century A.D. The unorthodox theology and mythical stories lead one to conclude these are not inspired. Therefore, we can conclude, is there a pagan connection between Christianity and the pagan myths? Apparently, that theory appears itself to be a myth. For more information on this topic, you can go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and you can read my article entitled The Pagan Connection and the Secret Gospels. You can read those and listen to other great teachings there on evidenceandanswers.org. Hey, thanks for being with us, and I look forward to seeing you again here on Evidence and Answers. Well, that conclusively puts an end to the myth of Christianity's pagan connection. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire message and enjoy other great resources right there on the site. Pat is the director of the Pacific Apologetics Center. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is brought to you by our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. Check them out on their website. That's hcmlp.com. I hope you'll join us again as Pat continues to present evidence for faith in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today, right here on Evidence and Answers. <laughs>